You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow, the new director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. Shout out to each and every person that has made Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. In this case, it is your first listen of the week, so big thank you to everyone that wakes up on their Monday morning or Monday afternoon, but you listen to me and Locked On NBA Draft, I really, really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. And today we have a title sponsor. It is Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And in this episode, I am going to puff out my chest a little bit. Because I have been riding the Palo Bancaro bandwagon all season long. Well, maybe not all season long. But ever since the November 26th matchup where Duke faced Gonzaga and I saw Palo dominate the game, I've had him number one on my big board. I stuck with it. I didn't ride the wave. Bancaro fell down to like four on some boards, three. I saw Jabari Smith was getting all the love, and then Chet Holmgren after dominating the weak WCC conference. Well, I don't want to say the conference is weak because they had multiple teams in the tournament, but let's be real here. The WCC is not the ACC or the SEC or even the Big 12. But I rode the Ben Carroll bandwagon. I stayed strong, and my guy, even though I don't know him, I call him my guy because... You know, there, there's a fan element with, with me. And so sometimes when you have like this prospect that you're riding or dying for, and you're dying on this hill, you kind of feel like that's, that's your guy because while everybody else is going in another direction, you're still. Anyway, Ben Carroll is the last player left. And I mean, in my eyes, he's been number one. But without a doubt, he has been the best player in this NCAA tournament. I'll get to that later on. Right now, as I'm recording this, it is 4.32 a.m. in Athens, Greece. So you're probably wondering, like, why do you have so much energy at 4.32 a.m.? And it is because my body is all messed up. My body clock, I should say. It's been a wild, crazy couple of days um, I started off in Dallas. I left Wednesday night in Dallas. I had like a 13-hour flight to Athens that left like an hour late. So by the time I got to my layover in Istanbul, I had maybe 20 minutes before I needed to board my plane to Athens. Got to Athens late Thursday night and went and grabbed something to eat. Got to an Airbnb maybe at like... I don't even know Midnight And then I had to get up at 5am To meet a ride To take me two hours To Patras, Greece Is where I attended the Adidas Next Generation Tournament And since, you know, I cover the NBA draft And I'm 
crazy enough to think that I can attempt to be an expert on the college players and the international players, which means I had to stay up and watch the NCAA tournament game so I could have something to talk to you guys about in my podcast and in my newsletter. But the problem with being in Europe, the NCAA tournament game started at like 1 o'clock. I want to say like one game was at 109 and another game was at 4. So I'm trying to watch these games and maybe I'm watching and I fall asleep for a little bit. Whatever. So anyway, two hours of sleep, travel two hours, get to Patras, Greece. Same thing. Um, I think I, I got there. We left at 6. We probably got to Patras at 8, and the first game of the tournament was at 9.30, and it's a tournament where there's four or there's four games. The last game ends at probably 8 p.m., which means uh, it, start, it starts at 8 p.m., doesn't end until 10, grab something to eat, try to take a nap, bam, start all over, got to watch the NCAA tournament game. So anyway, I've probably had, at the most, three hours of sleep a night. I don't, I don't even want to say, but for whatever reasons, I just know it's related to jet lag and my body clock being thrown off. I can fall asleep at midnight, and by 3 a.m., I wake up wide awake like it's noon. And so that's where I'm at right now. I am just, I mean, I want to say I'm exhausted, but I'm, I'm wide awake. Hopefully, after I um, finish this episode and get my, my newsletter ready for NBABigBoard.com, I can get some sleep. But I'm one of these people that has a hard time sleeping during the day. In the last few days, I really start to feel sleepy around 5 a.m., 5, 6 a.m., which is around, I guess, like 10 o'clock in Dallas time or maybe even earlier than that. So anyway, long story short, I am all thrown off, but I'm thankful that I'm talking basketball. I've been telling myself the last few days there are much, much, much harder ways to make a living than talking basketball. And so that's what I'm here to do. And of course, I'm also a little bit more excited because Paolo Bancaro is still alive. Like I I put myself on such a a hill in a sense, promoting Bancaro saying that he is without a doubt the number one pick that I know, like if he has a bad game, I know my mentions on Twitter are just going to be ridiculous. All right, when we return, I want to talk to you about Ben Carroll's performance and why I think that he has solidified himself to be in a tier all by himself in this year's draft. But now let me talk to you about Built Bar and you know, it is almost April. Everybody that had their New Year's resolutions has probably, I mean, they're probably just way off, probably about six weeks off now. But if you're still sticking to it, or even if you haven't, but you are looking to try to eat a little healthy because, you know, it's, it's about to be summertime. You got to get that summer body right. I would suggest you try the Built Bar Puffs. If you have not tried it, then you're missing out. Is one of Built Bar's best tasting bars, even though it's not a bar, but it is a protein infused marshmallow. It's fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. It is a treat and it is covered with 100% real chocolate. And so far, the Puffs has been a fan favorite because they have some incredible flavors like this yummy cinnamony churro. They have coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're so good and 
fully guarantee, but I can almost guarantee you that you like them. Again, all built bars are covered with 100% real chocolate, and that includes the puffs. Yes, 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. They will replace your candy bars because they're better. And a typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. And if you go to built.com, and if you scroll down, you'll be blown away that these high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb built bars only contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Now, if you compare that with a candy bar, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Check it out. Built Bar has multiple flavors, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And the new flavor is white chocolate cookies and cream, and I call it the Jason Williams. They're delicious. New flavors are coming out all the time. And if you think a flavor might be good, hit them up, and they'll try to make it for you. But at the minimum, they can guarantee you it will be delicious. Built Bar is all about the taste. They make it delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And if you don't know how, they pull it off every time. I don't know how, but somehow they do. Now go to built.com, and if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com, and you will get 15% off of your next order. All right, once again, thank you for listening to Locked On NBA Draft. Now, I would suggest you check out the Locked On Now podcast. The Locked On Now podcast has nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts, and it is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcasts, and check it out on YouTube. All right, now, let's talk about why Ben Carroll, in my opinion, has solidified himself as the number one pick in this draft and deserves to be in a tier by himself. All right, so let me get to why I've been high on Ben Carroll over Chet Holmgren and over Jabari Smith. Now, if I am a general manager or owner, and when I'm looking at a player who I want to select number one, I want a guy that I feel I can give the ball to and he can go get me a bucket. Now ask yourselves, if you give the ball to Chet, can he go out and get you a bucket? I don't think so. I don't think that he is – I think he's very, very skilled. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's someone that if you say, hey, go get me a bucket, he has the shot creation ability. When I watched his film this year, a large chunk of his points came shooting threes in transition, whether it was as the trailer or grabbing a rebound and pushing it and pulling up at the top of the key. He got points from lobs. Timmy threw him some good passes um, on, in the high-low. He got points off offensive rebound putbacks. He did score in the post, and he, he scored efficiently. But I wouldn't say he is like a bucket in the post because due to his lack of strength, he can kind of get pushed out of his space and not establish low post position, even though he's tough. Now, that, that kid is tough as nails. There's some dog in him, and I appreciate 
the dog in 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 Ben Carroll. I mean, I'm sorry, in Chet Holmgren. Don't get me wrong. This is not a knock on on Holmgren, but I don't think he's someone that I feel totally comfortable with saying, "Hey, go out, get me a bucket, and go win this game." Same thing about Jabari Smith. Even though I think that he has more offensive game than Chet, I don't know if he creates the easiest looks because he is not a strong ball handler, in my opinion, as far as like creating his own shot. I feel like if you give him the ball and say, go get me a bucket, he is going to take a no-dribble mid-range shot. Now, he can score on like, I think you can run like plays for him in a sense, but he's not, I'm just not as comfortable with him going out and getting you a bucket because he's not like the greatest ball handler. Now, Ben Carroll, I think you can just say, hey, go get me a bucket simply because you can run a play for him and get him in a post, an ISO. And if he's stronger than the guy, he can get an easy bucket in the post. He can create his own shot off the dribble. And he can pass. And one of the things I really appreciate about a guy that is a scorer or that I think is a big-time scoring option is can you make plays for others because teams are going to to double-team you. And Palo is, in my opinion, the best passer of the guys that are supposedly in this, this tier. And he's shown it. He showed up big. In the tournament, big players make big plays, and he's not afraid of the moment. And let me give you his stats so far through the NCAA tournament. Four games, 18.5 points per game, seven rebounds, 3.8 assists. Now, I've been saying all season long that he has not fully been able to showcase himself as a passer and playmaker like I felt like he could when I watched his high school tape. Now he's starting to show some flashes of that, which I think in the NBA he may even have more ball handling responsibilities. He is 26 for 51 from the floor. But here is the big thing for me. He is 8 of 14 from 3. Now one of the knocks on him was that he was the worst three-point shooter of the three, maybe even depending on if you had Jay and Ivy in your in your race for number one. But he was the worst three-point shooter of the group. Well, he has shown in this tournament that he can knock down shots. Now, I know it's a small sample size. It's only been four games. But the results have been good. And, I mean, I, I like the fact that he is making threes at a high rate. In the biggest moment. So if you're big in, into like in-season progression, then this has to be something that, that you really like. But again, overall, I think Bancaro, without a doubt, is the number one pick. And here are some reasons why. Now, if you are, let's say, and, and I'm just going off the top of my head here. I think he's the most NBA ready. So if you're a GM and you don't have like a long-term contract, you're not 100% secure in your job, then it might be in your best interest to take Bancaro, who I think is the safest pick. Now, there are some concerns about his defense because, you know, maybe between Chet and Jabari, he doesn't project to be the best defender. But I think he's a solid defender. I mean, if you're into stocks, you know, the steals and blocks combined, numbers were, were pretty good. 
Then there were some concerns about his athleticism. Now, I remember coming into the season, I did not think that he was an explosive athlete. And and I wouldn't say like he's like Marvin Bagley explosive or even like Jabari Parker, which is weird. Like Jabari Parker, I feel like he got more athletic after he got hurt. One year, if I'm not mistaken, he led the NBA in dunks. And when you think of Jabari Parker, I don't know. I just He's not somebody that I would have thought of would have led the NBA in dunks. Crazy thing is he's out of the league. I don't even know if he's 26 years old. But anyway. Bancaro is a good athlete. Like, for those that are saying, oh, I have questions about Bancaro's athleticism, are you saying that Chet is more athletic than Bancaro? And I've been getting a lot of questions. Like, people say, oh, what about his first step? He seems like he can't blow by guys off the dribble. I'm like, okay, dude is 6'10", 250. If he can't blow by guys off the dribble... He can turn it into bully ball. If you play him with a, a center, a slower foot center, then I think he can beat him off the dribble. If you try to defend him with a quicker, smaller wing, then that's where he turns into bully ball. And then with the bully ball, you send help. That's where the passing stands out at. So, again, without a doubt, Ben Carroll is the number one player on my board. All right, when... We return, or I don't know why I'm saying we. When I return, it's not like I have a co-host or anything like that. I've been doing these podcasts solo. And one of the reasons I've been doing them solo is, one, because I'm in Europe. And for those that are listening and want me to, like, be a guest on your podcast, I've been actually getting hit up a lot about doing podcast appearance. And, I, man, I'm so grateful and so thankful for them. And I try to say yes to everyone. But it can be tough because when I'm in Europe, it's like a seven-hour difference from central time. So if you want to record at 7 p.m., then it's super late. And right now, I'm, I'm up. But anyway, it, it can be a little bit tough if I get back on a normal schedule. But So I've been like doing these solo podcasts because I really want to get better at podcasting. And I figure if I can keep your attention for about 30 minutes talking to nobody and talking to a computer in an empty room, then I think it, it, it helps. So I'm all about self-improvement. And just like the players that I scout and evaluate, I'm, I'm looking to like get better in season. And the thing about being a podcaster, like I'm in season all the time. But anyway, let me talk to you about NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, and it is a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. And this is what the future of being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, and it's similar to, like, the stock market. But unlike trading cards, these aren't still images on cardboard. Now, I used to be an avid card collector. Matter of fact, I need to go to my parents' house and go find my cards. I know I have a Shaquille O'Neal rookie card somewhere. Gary Payton rookie card. The only thing about collecting cards is the player is hot for a few years and then he kind of falls off. But anyway, unlike these cards that are just still images, these are officially licensed NFTs with the greatest moments from NBA history. Every day, millions of dollars worth of NFTs are traded back and forth between tens of thousands of NBA fans around the world. 
And then as far as like fantasy sports, and every night you have the ability to capitalize in the market if you're able to predict top performers. So with all that being said, and I hear people ask all the time, like why would I buy a highlight when I can just watch it on YouTube for free? And my answer is, it is not just watching a highlight, it's about having ownership. An ownership stake in what is similar to the stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. If you were to tell someone way back in like 1916 that a piece of cardboard with Babe Ruth's face would be worth millions one day, people would think you're crazy. And this is just the opening tip of the digital, digital age. And this is what people are probably going to say about NFTs 100 years from now, because this is the opening tip of the digital age and the NBA's officially licensed NFT will be a huge part of that digital age. So, I mean, just think about it. Imagine when NFTs are more mainstream on social media, you'll be able to flex what you own around the world instantly. No binders, no shoeboxes. And if you sign up for Top Shot today, and it is the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron or KD, even rookies like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley for just nine bucks. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from a starter pack, you can snag moments from the marketplace that appeals to you. Top Shots moments can get you access to events and can be used in fantasy mini games. The NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. You can own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. So sign up today at LockedOnNBATopShot.com. You're listening to Rafael Barlow. Now, I want to like answer a few questions that I've been getting about Bancaro. All right, one is, and I kind of talked about it in the last segment, do you worry about his athleticism? Uh, no, I don't worry about his athleticism. I am one of these people now that, I feel like athleticism is becoming overrated and skills are being undervalued. Or let me let me say it like this. Maybe the shift is coming now, but at one point I felt like athleticism was outweighing skills. So you look at you look at some of the best players in the NBA right now, all right? Let's say for every Giannis who is Super athletic. I mean, he's a freak. He's like, what, 6'11", long athletic. But then you got Jokic. Totally different styles. Jokic is not athletic. And I don't even think if he played college basketball and we had, you know, a bunch of film on him, I still don't think he would have been like the number one pick in any NBA draft because some team would have taken some athletic person that is more raw than than Jokic. Luka, that was kind of the knock on him. I mean, Marvin Bagley went ahead of Luka Doncic because Marvin Bagley is a bouncy vertical athlete. Trey Young, do you consider Trey Young a great athlete with excellent blow-by speed and vertical pop? No. So yes, you mean you got your John Morantz, you got your Zion Williamson's, you have those guys that are playing well or when Zion is playing. He's playing well. Those guys that are freak athletes, but you also have a combination of guys that are probably below average athletes for NBA standards that are some of the top 10 players. So, no, I said all that to say this. I know I don't have any issues with Ben Carroll's athleticism. It's not like he is 
super slow or, or not athletic at all. I mean, I think that he is a good enough athlete to be able to be a 20-point-per-game scorer in the NBA. Here's another example, I guess, for Ben Carroll. I don't hire him. Let's say he is not a freak athlete by NBA standards. Let's say, and this is probably my best-case scenario for Ben Carroll. Let's say he is Detroit Pistons' Blake Griffin. Not the Blake Griffin that didn't dunk, but I think it was 2018-19 Blake Griffin. If Ben Carroll is that type of player, then you're talking about maybe a top 10 to 15 player in the NBA. If he's consistently 24 points per game, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, playing point forward, that's worthy of the number one pick for me. Another question I got was, do you feel like his style of play can win games? Now, I love this question because I want to respond with another question. What style of play wins games? Like, is there a particular style of play that actually wins games? And in my opinion, the answer is no. Do you have concerns about Joel Embiid's style of play? No. Embiid is the MVP candidate. Embiid hasn't been past the second round of the playoffs yet. So I don't think that that's an issue. You may say, oh, I have issues with, like, James Harden's style of play. Does James Harden's style of play win games? Well, to me, the answer is he's went to the NBA Western Conference Finals twice. And if I'm not mistaken, both times he lost to the Warriors. So James Harden's style of play has won games. It, it just, I don't know. Like I can't think of a particular style of play that actually wins games from just from an individual standpoint. Maybe LeBron James, but, I mean, there's only one LeBron James. And even though he's putting up crazy numbers this year, the Lakers aren't winning, and I am not a Lakers fan. I'm a Blazers fan. So that just kind of makes me smile in a sense because if my Blazers are bad, I love the fact that the Lakers are bad because the Lakers have just caused me too much pain and misery in my fan career. So, no. I, and then even with LeBron, LeBron is playing great this year. He, he doesn't have talent around him. And the Lakers are, as of now, I mean, they just lost to the Pelicans. They might not even make the play in. So, to me, it's not about an individual style of play. Maybe if there's a certain style that the individual has, finding the right pieces to fit around him, I think that's a more valid argument. And that's one of my concerns about Zion Williamson. I don't know what type of pieces do you put around him because I think Zion is like a .5 on offense. Like he's a 5, but he can handle the ball a little bit, but he doesn't protect the rim. And he's not even rebounding like I expected him to. So I think with Zion, you need to maybe fit him next to like a a big that can protect the rim and rebound, but also space the floor. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's really not too many of, of, of those guys out there. I think like Jalen Smith would be a good option. But anyway, I think with Bancaro, I think you can play him at the four, Maybe even in a small ball lineup to close games, you can play him at the five, even though he may not give you the rim protection. But I just think that he is a weapon, a guy that can handle the ball, create plays for others. I would love to see him in NBA spacing. 
I would love to see a creative coach run like one four pick and rolls, even four one pick and rolls. Again, I'm riding this Bancaro bandwagon all the way to the end, and I can't wait until draft day when Adam Silver announces Paolo Bancaro as the number one pick in the draft, even though that that is just the beginning of it because it doesn't mean he's going to be the best player. But I just feel like if you're an NBA team, the safest and best player is Paolo Bancaro. Well, that wraps up this Paolo Bancaro episode. If you're not a Duke fan or you don't like Bancaro, then you probably cut it off by now. But thank you f- so much for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen every day. Now, make your second listen. Well, maybe your third listen if Locked On Now is your second listen. But I would ask you to check out Locked On NBA. The Locked On experts are covering the biggest stories around the NBA. It's every Monday through Friday, and they get it done in less than 30 minutes. As we head to the playoffs, you got to check it out. It's going to be great. I think this is going to be one of the most exciting playoffs in recent memory. I don't know who's going to win the East. I mean, it's like you lose a game, and you can go from first to fourth. Then you got the West. I mean, you got a team like the Lakers who might even be in the play-in. If they're in the play-in and they get Anthony Davis back, and he somehow turns into bubble Anthony Davis, then they're a threat. I don't know. I mean, I just think this NBA playoffs is going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. And that's why you should check out the Locked On NBA podcast because the local experts, I mean, when I say the local experts really know their teams and they cover their teams like you haven't seen, check it out. Locked On NBA. Again, it's only 30 minutes. It's free. And it is available wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board. And I am out.